What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Dan Schneier. Dan, two more episodes for you this week, and I know you're already practicing for Fantasy Jeopardy on Friday. I got a lot on the line. Last <laughs> time I got on Fantasy Jeopardy, it was embarrassing, to say the least. Of course, Adam puts me against Heath again. You can't put me against somebody else. You can't bring on, like, a get- Marone or something to, to get in here and <laughs> uh, and give me someone I can beat. Did I pronounce it right that time, Jamie? Yeah. yeah. Why do you think you would beat Marone? Uh, no, I definitely want to be on own. sharper than anyone here. I need someone, someone else on my own. I want to throw anyone to the bus, though. All right, well, that's coming up on Friday. Tomorrow, we'll talk about 13 through 24 in our PPR rankings. Today, looking at the consensus top 12 in PPR, which I think will be more or less a consensus top six in some order. And then, you know, 7 through 12 will be a lot of the same names, but but I think a little bit more difficult to figure out. Um, I'll ask you a few questions about the top 12, and then we'll get into it player by player. We have a few news items to get to, including, obviously, the Tyreek Hill news. First, though, oh, my gosh, the bit... I don't know. Been doing this since 2009 with you guys. Well, with Jamie, Dan, much more recent than that. But is this the coolest thing that I'm going to be able to say? Uh, the, my, my, the biggest announcement I've ever made. Amazing. You know we were giving away that spot in the Dynasty League uh, on Saint Jude for St. Jude as part of our draft-a-thon. And I was like, you know, I think maybe we could get anywhere from a few hundred bucks to maybe three, 4000 bucks. I thought maybe someone would go. $21,400. I don't know if I'm allowed to give out the name yet. I will as soon as, you know, it's cool with him. Uh, say who bid on it, but $21,400 raised for St. Jude for a spot in our Startup Dynasty League. Blown away. Dan, this is just the beginning of what's going to be an incredible drive uh, raising so much money for St. Jude. 
Yeah, this was incredible. It blew me away as well. Thank you to, we're not going to announce the name, but thank you to whoever it was who made this bid. 58 bids, I see. That's just awesome to yeah. see too. There was a ton of action. I really did think that if we got to a few thousand, it would be an incredible win. And to get this high, it just shows how great the community is, how willing people are to help donate to this cause. And as everyone knows who has followed us with Draftathon, this is only the start. We're going to go all the way through August. There's going to be a lot of fun events coming up that you can participate in. There's going to be other bids you can, you know, get yourself involved in. They're going to be cheaper than this. You're not going to have to spend 20000 Anything you'd want to do to help donate to St. Jude, we love you for, and we're, we're excited for as well. This is just a great way to start this, though. I mean, last year, I don't think we had anything nearly as exciting until maybe July, late July, August. So to get this going early June, mid-June, it's awesome. And thank you very much for all of you who bid. And there will be other opportunities to get in leagues with us. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know, Jamie, did you want to say anything? I didn't want to cut you off there. No, I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I think it will be exciting when we do reveal who, who actually did it. But, you know, uh, that person has reached out to you and to me. And, you know, thanking them privately, uh, I don't think just does it justice for the donation and the cause and the kind words that were said as well, you know, so uh, just truly, truly appreciative, um, you know, the, to that individual, to some other individuals, you know, we, we've, we've referenced them over the years that continue to donate. And it's, um, it's just, it's just amazing. You know I mean? You know, we, we do this as our jobs. It's obviously a, a fun part of our, our job, you know, is, I mean, I, everything really about our job is fun, but you know, this, this is, for such a worthwhile cause and to see people rally around it uh, with whatever small amount they could donate, or in this case, you know, a, a significant amount. It's just, it's just fascinating. You know, it just blows me away. You know, I, I was, I was moved to tears today when, when I got the wow. note about the, the person who made the donation just because of the, the, the things that they said, but you know, just the, uh, the, the ability to do, do what they did. And it wasn't just, obviously it wasn't just him, all the other people who donated, yeah. you know, wrote, you know, made that go up to $21,400 in a week, by the way. Incredible. All right. Let's get to today's topic here, our top 12. First question for you. Quick questions here. Jamie, why yeah. isn't Cooper Cup number one overall? He's been by far the best per game two years in a row. Now, you have to Azer stat it a little bit because I'm going to throw out the game <laughs> he didn't play with Stafford this year. But if you do count the, only the Stafford games, the eight games he played with Stafford, he was like three and a half points better than Justin Jefferson and PPR. And it would have been two straight years averaging at least 25 points per game, which is incredible in PPR. Why isn't Cooper Cup number one overall? I think just age for me, you know, is the biggest concern in the fact that he's 30, uh, the fact that Stafford considered retirement and couldn't finish the season last year. So you know he's going to be open when he's on the field. He's always open. It's the most amazing thing to ever watch him play. <laughs> you know, it's like you know the ball's going to him. Um, I don't think uh, Van Jefferson and uh, I'm going to butcher the other guy's name, Puka. Um, Nakua. Uh, is is going to, you know, threaten his targets. Tyler Higby's not going to threaten his targets. not going to turn into a running team. But, you know, the fact that he couldn't finish the season last year and the fact that Stafford couldn't finish the season last year, you know, you have to be a little bit concerned because he is hitting that point. We've talked about this, you know, receivers, when they turn 30, the, they start to hit that cliff. And hopefully that's not the case for him. You want to get in there, Dan? Where where would you take Cooper Cup? Where is he for you? He's wide receiver four for me, but I teeter back and forth to three and four. I think Jamie brings up the number one red flag, but I even feel like the second thing he mentioned is even bigger uh, scare for me. It's Matthew Stafford and his health and just where they're at as a team. If he has an issue with an injury next year, this coming season, I mean, 
what are the chances if that they're going to keep him playing through that toward the end of the season if they fall out of the race and they're trending toward that number one overall pick, which some people think is possible. I don't know if it's possible if Stafford's healthy. That's really the big question mark for me because if he loses Stafford, he loses that rapport that he had with him cup, and, and obviously the production will go down. The age is also a factor, but it's not only that. I mean, his competition for one, the one and two spots, and for me, the third spot where I have Tyreek Hill, his competition for one and two, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, also have a lot of accolades to their to their name, which we're about to go over, and reasons to believe that they should be, you know, that they're not too far behind, even on the per-game basis, even if you Azer stat it. But the other side of it is definitely you can Azer stat this. He had five top 10 wide receiver finishes in just nine games last year in PPR. And he was still third in target share, fourth in target per route run rate, which is a you know rate stat, advanced stat that Justin, I mean, sorry, that Jacob Gibbs brings up a lot that I that I kind of follow him on. I think it's very predictable. And the air yards were there as well last year. I think he was top 12 in that. So, you know, he has the profile you like, but I think he has two players who are competing with him who have a good case for wide receiver one as well. All right. Second question here. Does Christian McCaffrey have the most carry competition? Okay, not his catches. Does he have the most competition for carries of any of the first-round running backs? There are five of them. McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley. Jamie, does Christian McCaffrey have the most competition for carries among all five uh, first-round running backs? I, I, w- I would anticipate that being the case. It's just a matter of there's so many carries available in Atlanta if they're going to replicate the offense where they were number one in, in, in carries at 559. Then I think Tyler Algier and or Cordero Patterson, the combination of the two, will take maybe enough away. You know, if you want to split up the percentages, you know, may come out in favor of Atlanta or in disfavor of Atlanta, you know, for, for Bijan by comparison. But yes, I mean, if Elijah Mitchell is healthy, it's concerning. You know, there was you know, significant, you know, 67 to 62 over the six games that they played together, including the playoffs. That was the carry differential for McCaffrey with a with a five-carry edge. So, yes, you got to be a little bit concerned about McCaffrey. It makes me a little skittish with him, you know, just knowing that there is the potential of, especially when we get to the end of the season, if everybody's healthy and they're trending in the direction that they should be, you know, heading to the playoffs, do they start to pull back on McCaffrey's workload a little bit, which is fancy playoff time, to make sure he's healthy for that NFL playoff run. Yeah, sixty-seven to sixty-two. I will. T- we will always bring that up. Um, also, that's that was as Jamie just said. The amount of carries that McCaffrey had compared to Mitchell in the six games they played together, including the playoffs. But it, you know, the difference between McCaffrey in those six games with Mitchell, he averaged sixteen point seven PPR fantasy points per game. Without him, five regular season games that he played without Elijah Mitchell, he averaged twenty-five point eight. So that's nine points per game difference. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen again. Um, I think it'll, I don't think the split will be nearly as even. I don't think anybody does. But uh, it is, you know, something we'll be talking about a lot. Last question. I don't. I think Dan's going to say no. Well, maybe he's going to say yes, but it wouldn't be for the case for him because I was surprised you said you had Cooper Cup at wide receiver four. Um, I feel like the top six are going to be in some order: Jefferson, Chase, Cup. Uh, McCaffrey, Eckler, Kelsey. You feel like that's going to be the consensus industry top six in some order, the top three wide receivers, McCaffrey, Eckler, and Kelsey? Yeah, I think it's going to be that way. I mean, my rankings are are slightly different. I have Tyreek Hill over Cooper Cup, and I see more of a ceiling play there, and I see less of a chance of dropping off in production there. So, But I think consensus will probably have Cup in that mix and not Hill. 
All right. We have a lot of other podcasts that you can listen to or watch on YouTube. You can always watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. But other podcasts, we've got soccer podcasts. We've got combat sports, morning combat. Great show. We've got pick six for NFL. We've got college football. Catch up on all your recruiting news. I mean, we've got so much. Go to cbsports.com slash podcasts and check it all out. Let's go to our news and notes. Jamie, what do you uh, think? What do you make of this Tyree Kill situation? Police investigating assault and battery allegations involving Tyree Kill. Um, is you know we're going to talk about him as a uh, I think number seven in the consensus rankings right now. What do you think? I mean, obviously, you got to wait to see how the investigation plays out. So everything is uh, you know alleged at this point. So you know you don't want to jump to conclusions. And we know that the legal process has to you know c- clearly be involved here until the NFL makes a determination, because as we've seen with the Alvin Kamara case, you know, that's still going on from the Pro Bowl following the 2021 season. This could linger for for a while. So I don't know how much this is going to impact Tyreek Hill's 2023 season. But again, this is a player that does have some history, you know, of, you know, off-field incidents that could come back, you know, in terms of the uh, moral code or whatever the NFL calls it, calls it, you know, that where Roger Goodell can, can maybe step in here. Um, hopefully, you know, this is, you know, something that won't keep him from playing, you know, uh, again, you don't want to jump to conclusions. Um, I actually had to do, um, a magazine write up about Tyreek Hill because, uh, for another publication, because we have to comment on our picks. He was my first pick at ninth overall. And I almost didn't like, I didn't know what to say, you know, <laughs> it's, it's such a hard thing to, you know, give advice on because we're not drafting right now, which is, you know, fantasy is always secondary in situations like this, but in any event, I think if he plays, you, you know, you, you, it, as long as there's nothing pending prior to the start of the season, I think you're still drafting him as a first-round pick. You know, we get we get further news on it that will sort of change things. How about this 17-game pace for Tyreek Hill when Tua Tungabailoa was healthy? Not the games he missed, not the games he left early with an injury, just the games he played fully. 17-game pace for Tyreek Hill was 119 catches, 1,768 yards, and 10 touchdowns on 173 targets. So that's really not that much worse than Justin Jefferson. It's more touchdowns, it's 40 fewer yards, and it's nine fewer catches. Uh, that was with a healthy Tua. Uh, more news I, items. I don't, I don't think we, we talk about enough the amazing scenario that he left Patrick Mahomes and in a lot of ways was better. Yeah. yeah. And Patrick Mahomes loses him and in a lot of ways was better. It's just it's 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 so fascinating based on his talent and their talent and just how they've been able to okay, we've managed and he's managed and you know it's kudos to both both of the abilities of the players and what they're able to do on the field. Uh, the Rams signed Sony Michelle who just did in 2021 just two seasons ago he had a six game stretch where he averaged uh 20 more than 20 carries per game. Uh, he had uh, 129 carries in six games, 540 yards, three touchdowns. I don't know. Does Sony Michelle matter to anyone? No, but we did just hear recently Sean McVay say Cam Akers is going to be a big part of this offense. So that kind of gives it a little bit of a scare. But I feel like more so this is just that that base signing, the Rams don't really have much behind Cam Akers. So, you know, throw him in the mix, but maybe have it temper your expectations a bit for Akers. I think uh, it's more just, uh, it, you know, Zach Evans, if you're hoping he might be. Yeah. Monra uh, St. Brown wants to be used downfield more this season. That would be something because he was not, he had a really, really low A dot. 
So if he is used downfield, maybe more yards, but fewer catches. He had two fewer catches than Stephon Diggs, but 268 fewer yards. Amon St. Brown had 18 more catches than A.J. Brown, but 335 fewer yards. And here's a Giants note for Dan Schneier. Wandale Robinson, according to the New York Post, might be a candidate to start the season on the pup list. He is not as far along in his recovery as Sterling Shepard is. And Paris Campbell is the talk of the town. Has he entered a draft discussion for you, Paris Campbell? Yeah, I think he should. He had a great set of OTAs, a great mini camp. He's working as the slot. He was the favorite target besides Waller. I mean, at this stage, we the last we heard with Wondell Robinson before this was that he was progressing well in his recovery and things should be okay and he should be fine. Now it's pupless potentially for the start of the season. That's the first six games of the year. We'll see if that plays true, but if he's out of the mix, all his competition for the slot will be, then Paris Campbell's competition for the slot will only be Sterling Shepard, and Sterling Shepard hasn't been able to stay on the field. So for really any of his last few seasons. So I think Campbell definitely belongs in the mix. We saw what that role was for Richie James last year, and Campbell's definitely an upgrade over Richie James. Where do you see Jalen Hyatt lining up? On the bench. Right now with the third team. <laughs> yeah. that, he's working mostly with the third and second team. I think he'll be working the mix eventually, but I think it will probably have to be the slot in year one. He didn't really do much. He didn't really show much wide receiver on the outside at Tennessee. He didn't really show much in general against press man coverage, so I don't know if the Giants can trust him there yet. All right. That's enough Giants talk for today, except Saquon Barkley is in our top 12, so we'll talk about him a little bit later. We'll take a quick break here. Top 12 in PPR when we come back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, the top 12 players in point per reception scoring. When was the last time I actually said what PPR stands for? I think we probably know. So if you go to our rankings page, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash football slash rankings, or just go to cbsports.com slash fantasy, and you can click a couple links and get to the rankings. We now have the consensus rankings on the left, and then we have Jamie's, and then we have Dave's, and then we have Heath's. Dan and I are not cool enough to be on this page. Um, So... The consensus rankings are Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Eckler, Cup. So that is that top six I was talking about. The first six are Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Eckler, Cup. 
And Jamie, you have almost that exact top six, except you have Bijan Robinson ahead of Cooper Cup. But Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Eckler, Cup. First question, what do you think about the first two picks being wide receivers? I feel like that's probably pretty unusual. Uh, yeah, I would I would say so. You know, usually you see last year Jonathan Taylor. You know, last couple of seasons Christian McCaffrey as well as last year in the, in the mix. Um, I just think they're they're the safest players with just as much upside as anybody. You know, we've seen what Jefferson has been. We know what Chase has been on a per game basis last year, and you know, even the early part of his career. They're tied to you know strong systems and quarterbacks that will certainly get them the ball enough and, and make them successful enough. Jefferson benefited with the addition of Kevin O'Connell. Uh, you saw what Joe Burrow has become to help, you know, Jamar Chase. And so I, I think when you're talking about, you know, what their abilities are, where they are in their careers in terms of age, you know, which gives them the edge of a cup. Um, to me, it's 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 a no-brainer. You know, Heath is 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 probably a better person to ask why he has Chase over Jefferson. I know we've talked about that quite a bit. He goes back to his points per game and the the potential of what Jordan Addison could become to maybe detract from some of what Justin Jefferson does, but. To me, Jefferson's the easy number one choice and, and Jamar Chase the easy number two. What do you think about that, Dan? Because Eckler, Eckler's been a stud two years in a row, and he averaged more points per game than than both of them, I believe. Um I can yeah, he did. He averaged twenty two point three points per game, and Justin Jefferson averaged twenty one point five points per game. Cup, like I said, um was better than that. Cup was at 22.6 points per game, but again, with Stafford, it was closer to 25 points per game. Um, yeah, I mean, is it an, is that it? Is it just age? Because these running backs are getting older. We were saying the same thing about Eckler last year, and he was amazing. He's now reaching a different you know, stage of that age bracket, though. I think he's going to be 27 this year. 28. Um, 28. So 28 this year. Sorry, it's going into 27 last year. So higher chance. I also feel like there's a possibility that offense takes totally different shape this year and is better in the red zone through the air with Kellen Moore calling the plays and Quinton Johnson now in the mix. So I think you could see a change there for me. Those factors are enough to boost the other two players. I do have Jefferson and chase one. I mean, some of these stats for these two players, Jefferson and chase really stand out to me. Jefferson, um, has more PPR points in his first three years as an NFL player than any wide receiver in history. And he did that despite only having the 25th most touchdowns over that period. So if there is any possibility for some touchdown regression here with Jefferson, I mean, we're talking about someone who's going to set the set the record at some point in fantasy. I mean, he, he had four finishes wide receiver one last year, two as the wide receiver two overall. Again, not with a lot of touchdowns last year. There are some issues I have with Jefferson. The only thing is four games with six targets or fewer in all those games, including one I watched um, against the Giants. He actually had seven in that one. The one I watched against the Giants, they just used bracket coverage against him the whole time. But that may not be possible this year. If Jordan Addison plays as well as some people expect him to, that's going to change how defenses can defend Jefferson. So that's another tip in his cap. Then for Chase, the case for Chase, I mean, over Jefferson would just be the red zone role. I think he had 28 red zone targets last year. That was the most in the NFL. 22 touchdowns over his first two seasons. That was the most by any receiver in his first two years since Beckham, who was amazing during those years. And out of those 28 red zone targets last year, actually over the past two years, 27 targets in the end zone alone. So if you look at Chase and say, well, no one can really match up against him man coverage one-on-one. Teams have tried to, so... They've abandoned that and or they've tried to shift coverage over there, but they've abandoned that because then it leaves T Higgins open. There's a good chance that he's going to have a, that he's going to be able to kind of repeat what he's been doing as far as touchdowns um, 
this season. So he also had uh, five top five wide receiver finishes I just looked at. And so if you get a bigger role in the red zone here, that for me is the case over Jefferson, I would say. Just the possibility of more touchdowns and the possibility of there's no real way to defend him versus, you know, we have T. Higgins as a realized great receiver. Jordan Addison, more of a projection, especially in year one. But both of those guys I would have over any running back. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Sorry in advance. I know I'm okay. ruining the number one pick for everyone, but Justin Jefferson is bust-proof. I mean, I really cannot... Yeah. I, I just cannot think of what could go wrong other than injury. Uh, Chase, on the other hand, do you feel that way? Because I, I think if you take a guy second overall and he performs like a second rounder, let's say, like wide receiver five or six, I would consider that a bust. I know a lot of people would take issue with that and be like, "You're only a bust." But how would how would he finish that far down? Well, what would be he, the case? Well, he well he was wide receiver four per game in non PPR, number three per game in full PPR. Higgins Higgins is the case. I think when you look at, I've said this before, when you look at the the very best receivers in fantasy, especially particularly the ones that finish number one, they are usually total target hogs, clearly better than every other receiver on their team. They usually don't have a T Higgins on their team. So that would be something that holds down his ceiling a little bit. And I think you look at Jamar Chase's, I mean, this, I don't really care about this. I love Chase, but his 17 game pace was 1,482 yards. Justin Jefferson was over 1,800 yards. Right. It wasn't even close. Uh, So I don't know. Jamie, how do you feel about this? They're different players. Oh yeah, go ahead, Jamie. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, in terms of Jefferson being bus proof, I, I think you know if you're drafting a number one, you're, you're you're thinking that's as close to possible as you know any player because why else would you would you do that knowing the talent? But you know we saw what happened to Cup last year when Stafford got hurt. You know what would happen to Jefferson if you know Kirk Cousins goes down? You know is 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 there enough trust in the quarterback situation there in Minnesota to say that he's still going to be that type of player? You know I I know we kind of crap on Kirk Cousins a lot throughout his career, but you know he's still been very good for a lot of his fantasy receivers. Um, from Stephon Diggs to Adam Thielen to you know now Jefferson, so there, there's one scenario, and then the other one would be is you know why, why I think Heath is a little bit concerned is that is Jordan Addison really that good, you know, to where he's going to take away some semblance of production to the point where it's that much better than what Adam Thielen was doing. So, you know, I, I think there's two scenarios there that can maybe knock him down a few pegs aside yeah. from him getting hurt. So, you know, I I, I don't think you ever want to put that necessarily that that. Moniker on somebody. <laughs> I know it's it, it's um, scary. I get it. it. Like anybody's quarterback could get hurt. I, I mean, if you look at what Tyree Kill did with Skylar Thompson last year, he was absolutely terrible. He was really good mm-hmm. with Teddy Bridgewater, but you know, anyone's quarterback could get hurt. Any player could get hurt. Uh, but if there are no injuries, you know, Jefferson feels super safe. Ch- Chase is great. No argument there. Um, so so then then you get to. All right, so who's number three? And I'm, by the way, I'm certainly not saying that these need to be the one and two for you guys or for, for anybody listening or watching right now. Um, but that is what the consensus rankings are. I think you're going to see that a lot. Jefferson and then Chase. And then McCaffrey, three. And then Kelsey, four. And Eckler, five. And Cup, six. Cup's 30. Eckler's 28. Kelsey's, what, going to be 34? McCaffrey, we've already talked about some of, some of the downside with him. He's also 27. Yeah. And, you know, there's just some uncertainty, I guess, with his role. But I, I all right, you know, look, I'm just trying to spice this show up. I, I guess I'll just throw it out another hot take. I don't think he's my RB1 anymore. 
I think I'm Eckler. I think I'm on Eckler. I don't hate that. I mean, look, I, I get it. He was he was amazing. You know, and you know, Dan alluded to this, you know, the offense is gonna change a little bit, but you know, we we saw in a Kellen Moore offense, twelve rushing touchdowns from Zeke. I don't remember exactly how many Pollard scored. We know that Eckler's been what, twenty eight touchdowns over the last two seasons, twenty eight rushing touchdowns over the last two seasons. He's clearly proven to be, you know, if you want to consider McCaffrey the best pass catching back, he's one A, you know, in terms of what Eckler's able to do. If you don't and, and some people may think Eckler's better at this point. You know, so in an up-tempo offense that's going to be with a, you know, quarterback that's definitely, I think, going to bounce back and still on the rise in Justin Herbert, there's a lot to love about Austin Eckler and still now motivated because he didn't get exactly the contract that he wants, plus he's entering a free agent year. So that $1.75 million in incentives, you know, that that little carrot that's dangling out there could lead to something bigger if a team wants to, you know, prioritize paying him in 2024. So there's a lot to love about Eckler. There's no reason to... You know, necessarily dispute that tremendously. And then, look, if you want to even take it a step further, you take the shiny new toy and Bijan Robinson. You know, it's something that I've considered. Yeah. You know, especially after, you know, you you you've been talking about this a lot. And you know, I, I wrote about Mitchell as a Elijah Mitchell as a sleeper. You know, when you dive into the numbers, like you said, you know what what he's done to McCaffrey and the potential of what San Francisco's offense is. You know, in Carolina, they needed McCaffrey to be Superman. San Francisco does not need that. You know, they can win games in so many different ways. You know, defensively running the ball with somebody else besides McCaffrey, their passing game obviously is, is is very successful. So he doesn't necessarily have to be that guy for 17 games that they can go a different direction, especially if he's a little bit banged up at some point. So, you know, you, you, you don't have to necessarily buy into McCaffrey as the number one guy. And that being said, Mitchell missed a lot of time last year. He's been banged up throughout his career. Sure. And what McCaffrey did without Mitchell and what McCaffrey's been, especially behind that offensive line, you know, it's pretty enticing to say what he can still give you. So, uh, for me, he's still third, but I, 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 I wouldn't argue somebody taking Eckler or even Bijan ahead of him. What? Let me ask you: Is if Trey Lance were the quarterback, where would you rank Christian McCaffrey? Same spot. Okay. Um, and I just want to say, like, sixty-seven carries for McCaffrey, sixty-two for Mitchell in the six games they played together, including the playoffs. There were a lot of blowouts. There were maybe four uh, blowouts in that stretch. So I really don't think I saw a lot of garbage time for Elijah Mitchell. I, I talked about this on Twitter. I talked about this on our previous podcast. Um, but uh, there was like Jordan Mason was the garbage time guy. However, in the first half of those games, just the just quarters one and two of those six games, McCaffrey had 37 carries and Mitchell had 17 carries. That was a much bigger split. Still, I don't think you're going to see that kind of split with <laughs> Eckler and whoever's behind him or Barkley or Taylor. Um uh, am I missing someone? Bijan, we don't know. Okay, anyway, uh, Kelsey. Let's talk about Kelsey before we take a break, and then we'll look at the the bottom six uh, in, well, seven through 12 in the consensus here. Jamie, how did you determine Kelsey as number four? You just see what he's been able to accomplish. You know, I, I know the age is, is something you got to take into account, and, you know, he did have some lulls in the regular season last year, especially in the early middle part of the season until, you know, they, they kicked into their playoff run. And then he started to look like, you know, Superman again. Clearly teams are going to, you know, focus as much as they can on taking him away. Like Cooper Cup, you just marvel at how often he's able to get open, how often they scheme him, you know, to get open. Um, he's just such a difference maker at the thinnest position. So, you know, the, the, the hard part when you draft Travis Kelsey, and I think, Dan, you alluded to this um, – on a recent show is it doesn't feel good when you look at your team yeah. after the draft minute drafts over. You're like, Oh God, you know, it's like I, I lost this running back or I lost this wide <laughs> receiver or my quarterback stinks. 
But then once you get into the season and you're, you know, five point advantage, 10 point advantage, you know, whatever the, the difference is on your opposing tight end and knowing what this guy is and just the fact that you don't have to chase the position and you see people, you know, picking up Chigo Conco here or David Njoku there, or even, you know, a step further, Jawan Johnson and Tyler Higby and, you know, chasing Greg Dolchich and all those guys, it just makes you so confident and, and, and I, you know, I, happy <laughs> that you have, you know, this, this monster on your team. And so I think it's, uh, Again, you got to be bold enough to, you know, pull the trigger that early in the first round. But when you look at the end of the season, I know for me, the last several years, I'm sure many people, you're probably always in the playoffs with Travis Kelsey. And, you know, you, you build a smart team and you have the ability to win a championship because he's that good. You're a big Kelsey guy, Dan. When's the earliest, earliest that is justifiable to take Travis Kelsey? And if, if you would let me, if you indulge here, I want to tell you where he's finished sure. in PPR at running back. If he had been a okay. running back over the last six seasons, he would have finished 11th, 9th, 13th, 6th, 10th, and 5th at running per game, back. Per game. So that's uh, top six per game in two of the last three seasons. The other four seasons, he's been close. Did you mean to at wide receiver, Adam? No, I'm going to do wide receiver as well. Oh, wow. At wide receiver per game, he would have been 10th, 9th, 9th, 3rd, 11th, and 7th. So his best two seasons have been two of his three most recent seasons, and he's been like wide receiver three, wide receiver seven, RB6, RB5. That's what you're getting from Kelsey. When's the earliest you could justify taking him, Dan? I think the earliest you can justify taking him is honestly third overall. I wouldn't. I'd probably take him fifth overall, but I think it's justifiable. You just broke down how he finished against running backs and was wide receivers. It's one of like the 12 best players in the NFL. I'm sorry, in fantasy football. That doesn't even like take into account the weekly advantage you get from him at tight end because you don't have to play him at wide receiver or running back. You're playing him at tight end. As Jamie said, as people chase the Greg Dolchich two touchdown week and then he puts together three points for you the next week, <laughs> you're racking up points week after week he hasn't had a thousand under thousand yards in seven years he's averaged eight touchdowns or more in set the last seven years he hasn't missed a game except for covid in nine years i know he's older now at 34 but am i really as concerned about him from an injury risk profile versus like a 27 year old saquon barkley who's at a torn acl and all those are like odell beckham like there are bigger injury risks in my opinion despite these players being younger and last year everyone talks about how big of an edge he had over the tight end too adam i think he scored 5.3 points more than yeah. the tight end too. Hawkinson, yeah. That's worth something. But how about how much he scores over the tight end 12 or the tight end 11 or the tight end 10 or all these other guys who you're cycling in week in, week out when you don't have Travis Kelsey on your roster and you don't have a Hawkinson or whoever else. That's the advantage right there. As I always say, like in fantasy, I'm looking to... Fantasy to me is a matchups game. I, part of my strategy is to either get Kelsey and try to win the weekly advantage of tight end or win the flex. Like in PPR, full PPR leagues, I'm trying to get my flex drafted often before my RB2, sometimes before my RB1, because it's worth the same. But when you have an advantage like Kelsey, it gives it gives you such an edge on a weekly basis. So I think you can draft him as soon as three overall in a PPR league, um, but I probably wouldn't take him till fifth. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was actually Kittle, who was PPR tight end two per game, not Hawkinson. Um, okay, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about 7 through 12 in the consensus rankings. So far, we've got Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Eckler, and Cooper Cup. And uh, we will talk about Tyreek Hill and the rest of them when we come back on Fantasy Football today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back. 7 through 12 in our PPR consensus rankings right now. And number 7 is Tyreek Hill. Number eight is Bijan Robinson. So actually, after Tyreek Hill, you get three straight running backs. Bijan, Barkley, Taylor, Stefan Diggs, 11, and CeeDee Lamb, 12. So no Pollard, no Jacobs, no Devontae Adams, no Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Amonra St. Brown. Those are all going to be on tomorrow's show. Uh, again, 7 through 12 in the PPR consensus rankings are Tyreek Hill, Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Stefan Diggs, and C.D. Lamb. Um, Jamie, this is pretty close to what you have. You have Pollard in there. You have Lamb 13th, so just outside. But uh, anything you want to what – what jumps out at you when you look at 7 through 12? I think one of the toughest decisions people are going to have if you're going to go running back is Taylor versus Barkley at this point. You know, and, and let's assume that Barkley's contract situation is settled early in camp, if not you know, the start of camp, but – you know by week one because a lot of drafts happen clearly before the first of first game of the season. Then you're looking at, okay, what does Barkley give you now two years in Brian Dable's system, you know, three years removed from the ACL tear. Is he still going to be this elite level prospect? I think we all hope that's going to be the case versus what Taylor was prior to last year, what he could be with Anthony Richardson in this new offense and that potential upside. So I struggle with those two. I'm sure a lot of people do as well. Um, for me, I, I think I'm going to lean a little bit towards you know youth here with Taylor because he's a little bit younger. I think the fact that he will have the benefit of a running quarterback even more so than what Daniel Jones is. I think we could all agree on that, that Anthony Richardson's a better runner than Daniel Jones. I think that will help open some rushing lanes, and I think he's going to be a bigger factor in the passing game, honestly, just based on you know what this team looks like and I think giving Anthony Richardson some easy opportunities. The design plays will, will have to be what carries him because I think when the play breaks down, he's not going to look to throw. He's going to look to run. Uh, but I do think that Taylor may see a spike in, in in receptions, especially with the guys that are behind him that aren't exactly very inspiring right now. So uh, I like Taylor slightly ahead of Barkley, but that could change once Barkley's contract situation is resolved, and I feel a little bit better about Barkley once we get closer to the season. Schneier? Did you say Schneier? That's what okay. I said. I said Schneier. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I didn't know if you said okay or Schneier. I'm, he said I'm flush. Little, he said flush. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably in the same boat as Jamie here. I, my biggest concern right now, though, with Jonathan Taylor is do we definitely get that receiving volume that we saw start to uptick in his career starting two seasons ago and, and really carrying over a little bit toward last year with Anthony Richardson or are some of those plays design, undesigned runs, scrambles, as you would call them? Because a lot of what made Barkley so successful last year was when the Giants did operate out of the shotgun or in any passing forward way, Barkley was one of the 
kind of safety reads, right? He'll run a lot of flare routes out to the flat. And if you don't like what you see, Jones, just throw the ball out there. Is that going to be the case with Taylor in this offense? It wasn't necessarily the case with Shane Steichen in Philadelphia when he ran that offense last year. There wasn't a lot of those flare routes and those outlet passes for the running backs. So that concerns me. And the second concern for Taylor, and the reason I probably have slight edge for Barkley right now, would just be the direction of the Colts offensive line. I just don't like the direction it's heading in. They didn't make a major investment in it this year that I thought made would make me feel better about it and that concerns me a little bit too taylor does have age on his side they're both explosive they actually had very similar combine testing they're they're similar athletes i would say at least barkley from what barkley showed last year hopefully can keep that up but the passing game role concerns me a little bit like i said and then the offensive line is also a big issue for me okay i have some polls up here on youtube and on uh twitter on youtube right now we only have 13 votes just came up but uh barkley 54 percent taylor 46 percent on Twitter, um, 50-50 on 14 votes. So again, we're brand new here. That will be a tough call. And, you know, let me... So I already told you... Ty, well, Tyreek Hill is ahead of them in the consensus rankings. You guys agree with taking Tyreek ahead of uh, Barkley and Taylor? Yeah, I have him as my wide receiver three, so definitely. Uh, yes. Uh, he is also ahead of Bijan Robinson. Who would you guys take, Bijan or Tyreek Hill? Well, then it gets fun. I have Bijan. I, I think I'm going to be with Jamie on this one. I've saw, I saw Jamie. I saw where he had him ranked, and then I took him, I think, at fifth overall in one of our recent mocks over these two, and I actually took him over Eckler in that. Uh, I It's going to be hard to keep me off the Bijan Robinson train right now. I just see so many things that are pointing in the right direction there, most specifically how well Atlanta ran the ball last year. And when watching them on, on the game film, I mean, they do so many things from a ski, schematic standpoint in the run game that are translatable to this year, and I don't think will fall off. I think they really run one of the best and most diverse run games. And Chris Lindstrom is one of the best blocking guards in the NFL. He's what Quinton Nelson was for Jonathan Taylor two years ago. I don't know if Quinton Nelson can still get back to that level. So... I just feel like Bijan Robinson has more upside than both those players. As far as Robinson versus Hill, that one's a little closer for me just because I'm really high on Tyreek. Yeah, looking at rookie running backs, uh, Najee Harris was a top four running back in 2021. Jonathan Taylor was uh, top six in 2020. And, you know, he got going really late. Like his last right. six games, he was, bas- was basically made his season. Saquon Barkley was top two. Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were top four back in 2017. Zeke was top two in 2016. Um, those were the best ones in recent memory. And uh, last year, you know, you didn't have any running, any rookie running back finish in the top five. Or, or I don't know exactly where Ken Walker finished, but once Ken Walker became the starter, once Brees, Brees Hall got going, those guys were pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, but their end of season numbers weren't, you know, they weren't the week one starters. And and then obviously Brees Hall got hurt. So, yeah, anyway, the point is rookie running backs come in and they could be the number one running back. They could be the number two running back in fantasy. It's not a surprise. Yeah, I, I, I want to amend something because we didn't get a chance to talk about this. So when we did the bold predictions and I said that Bijan would be number one, the best rookie running back ever. Yeah. So and I said Dickerson. Dickerson actually was non-PPR in 83. Oh. Saquon has the best rookie season ever in PPR. Really? In 2018. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Uh, but I think he had like 94 catch catches. It was crazy. He had 91 catches that season. Yeah, Eli Manning was just checking down so often at that point. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it was, you know, pretty phenomenal. So, uh, Bijan's got a lot of work to do. You know, Dickerson in that season had 390 carries, which is a rookie record. That's an 83, <laughs> and he ran for over 1,800 yards. 390. Um, and and Barkley obviously in 2018. 
um, 91 catches. You know, that's that's a lot, you know, on top of 2,000 total yards. So for Bijan to get there, it's it's going to take a lot of work. But like you said, Adam, it doesn't necessarily have to be number one or number two. He can still be top five. And I, I think that's what you're you're hoping for if you're drafting him in, in the first round. Again, a lot of carries available. Uh, you can see in our magazine, that's our cover story, is, is Bijan Robinson. Um, and, you know, the, the, the tricky thing will be is how much will Arthur Smith just completely lean on him? Because... Mm-hmm. They do like, he does like, I spoke to Arthur Smith. He does like yeah. very much still Tyler Algier and still Cordero Patterson. They're going to you know, differentiate how they use those two guys now because of Bijan, but um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this all gets chopped up. Looking at their personnel though, Jamie and Adam, I'm curious if they might be the outlier team that actually does use more pony package and 21 personnel, meaning two running backs on the field at the same time. Because if you look at that wide receiver group, it's like, do they have an edge if they have Algier and Bijan Robinson on the field? You have Robinson split out wide, have him come in motion pre-snap, or the opposite, Cordell Patterson out wide with Bijan Robinson in the backfield. But looking at their personnel, it feels like this is a team that could use that package more than any team, which would obviously benefit Bijan as well. I think if they do that, it's probably with Patterson and one of the other two. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, and you know, we always get excited about this, which never materializes. You've seen a lot of mini camp footage of Bijan with the wide receiver group lined up. And, yeah, you know Steve Sarkeesian said it was in a Peter King article um, before the draft that he thought, and and the quote was Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian. He said, "I'll get it out." Um, he said, "I know I'm gonna. I know I made a lot of my receivers mad, but he has the best hands of anybody on the team, and yeah. so he averaged 16 and a half yards per reception." You know, he had a, a significant amount of receive of, of receptions during his career there. You know, so he could be a 50 catch guy if they decide to do it. And if that happens, on top of let's say, you know, 280 carries, it's going to be a pretty impressive season. If he gets somewhere close to 350 total touches, that's going to make him a monster. And by the way, all the accolades Jamie just mentioned about Bijan as a receiver at Texas. It wasn't just him running flare routes and screens. He was running a really diverse route tree, including arrow routes, sex routes, like things that you would see him lined up against linebacker and be like, that's McCaffrey-esque. And so just something else to keep note, this is not your typical great prospect. This is somebody who also has a receiving profile that's very diverse and different than even guys like Barkley and Taylor and Eckler who kind of catch more like screens and flares. Just to catch up on the Barkley versus Taylor poll on Twitter, 301 votes. Barkley's at 60% almost 61%. And on YouTube, Barkley's at 56% on 39 votes. A little surprised by that. I think I'm on Barkley too. I I, uh, Just a little uncertainty about uh, the Anthony Richardson factor and what that will mean. It typically means fewer catches. Uh, And I know Daniel Jones is mobile, but it's just different. You know, it's just different. I I don't have a ton of faith in Richardson to uh, be that competent this year, I guess, as a quarterback. So I, that's kind of why I think I'm just, a you know, but I, the, the hope would be is that that's what Shane Steichen does to make him eat, you know, comfortable is a lot of short throws. Why I think a lot of people like Josh Downs, you know, it's just a, a lot of easy routes, easy yards, you know, and, and that's if you have somebody that can do it. And I think Taylor is underrated in what he could do as a pass catcher. That's such an, you know, yes. benefit to your offense if, in fact, they do import, you know, so. It's a matter of Richardson being able to do it. It's a matter of, you know, Steichen, you know, allowing him to do it. And then, you know, Taylor being, you know, able to do it. And I, I will say one thing, you know, just even though I said I was Taylor over Barkley, uh, Taylor's still dealing with his ankle injury, you know, and, and the fact that he's not ready yet, you know, something to keep an eye on. If he's still limited in training camp, it's easy to go Barkley. 
But at least he's signed. He does have that over Saquon Barkley. He's on a roster. Um, so that actually, you know, we talk about Taylor and we talk about Barkley, and I think it's kind of easy to poke holes in them. Obviously, we know how good they can be. They both have RB1 seasons. But why not just take Stefan Diggs? Or I see D. Lamb as the last guy in this round. Um, but I, you know, I think I can make an easier case for Diggs. He just was a lot better than C.D. Lamb last year. And how about this? I mean, Diggs, before the Josh Allen injury, he was he was practically Justin Jefferson. It was eight games, and he was on pace for 100. He, actually, he was better. 128 catches, 1,821 yards, and 15 touchdowns on 176 targets before the Josh Allen elbow injury, basically including the game in which Allen got hurt, which was that his second-to-last pass of the game against the Jets. So after that, like much, much worse. But I don't know. I mean, I gave you the Tyreek Hill stats with Tua, and Tyreek Hill in the consensus rankings is ahead of Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. But Stefan Diggs isn't. Um, Dan, what do you make of that? Because you could, I could make an easy case that Stefan Diggs should be going before basically any running back that you have a lot of questions about. I, I actually think Stefan Diggs is is almost bust proof. I don't hate this oh, take at all. Especially <laughs> what? Bust proof. I don't mean he doesn't have the ceiling that Jefferson does. I'm not Mr. saying to Kiss take of death second. over there. But no, what, no, what I, could I know go where wrong? you're going. What could go team? wrong it's for like, Diggs? I mean, unless Josh Allen doesn't doesn't have that a free throw in his last 90, but I agree <laughs> with you the consistency factor for 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 Diggs is definitely what stands out. I mean, that's now 3 seasons in a row where he's at at least triple or he's at triple digit receptions which is crazy, at least yeah. eight touchdowns and over 1,200 yards. He was wide receiver six uh, per game last season, nine of 17 weeks. He was a top 10 receiver in PPR. There's a chance for squeaky wheel gets greased here, I think. Honestly, he's disgruntled about his role in the offense. One way to get him happier, give him more targets, feed him more. And he's still really good from an effective standpoint. You think he was third best in the NFL in yards per route run. Again, that's a stat I really like. Jacob's real, Jake Gibbs done a good job explaining why it's been very predictable um, as far as if these receivers are still producing at a high level. So he's also, along with those receptions, had at least 154 targets. So the volume, this is the recipe for consistency in fantasy. Volume, a red zone role, you know, can you still win as a route runner? The only thing I would say that would maybe go against Diggs is that he's going to be 30 years old this season. And obviously age is a factor at some point for wide receivers. We, we, we've seen some receivers do better in this range than kind of running backs as they get older in the 27, 28 range. But it's something to consider. But other than that, the consistency is there. So I don't really I'm kind of with you, Adam. I don't hate the idea of taking a swing on a Diggs instead of one of these running backs with the idea of you can lose your fantasy season in round one. but it, by swinging for the fences, but with a player like Diggs, a consistent player, maybe you're not losing. You know, you're you're giving yourself a nice consistent option there in round one. Yeah, I think the biggest argument for the running backs over Diggs is that you're probably going to like your round two wide receivers better yes. than your round yeah. two running backs. You know, you're, you somebody like Adams or or Lamb could fall to you in round two if you're picking ninth or tenth in round one, and then you don't want to take maybe. But on that note, can I ask you guys this question because you've both done them all with me. From the mocks we've done, Jamie and Adam, don't you guys kind of feel this year more than than the previous years? In that rounds, let's say, let's get out of round two. Let's say the rounds three through five range. There's more intriguing options at running back than there have been in recent years, and there's fewer intriguing options at receiver. That's how I've felt in every mock we've done. Have you guys had that feeling? I, I De- think definitely. yes. 
because we're seeing receivers get pushed up. You know, I mean, it's it's not that that hasn't necessarily been the case, but it feels like it's over-exaggerated now. And so, you know, it's like once you get past those, for me, I think, and, and, and I don't know if you guys agree, it's once you get past basically T. Higgins and Devontae Smith, which typically go in the beginning part of the third round. If you want to throw Chris Olave in there as well, I have no problem with that, you know, but it's how much do you trust Keenan Allen at his, his age? Right. How much do you trust Calvin Ridley coming back from, you know, a year and a half off? How much do you trust Christian Watson at this point? Where's DeAndre Hopkins playing? You know, all these receivers that are in that group, Amari Cooper, you know, so um, there's, there's a lot of, okay, it's easy to pivot to, you know, potentially Aaron Jones still there, Najee Harris still there, Joe Mixon, you know, for me, his situation is, is status. J.K. Dobbins, you know, all those all those guys that, you know, are going to be there in round three. You know, Heath would say Miles Sanders, you know, Damian Pierce, you know, these guys that are, you know, some question marks. But again, you know, you start to see the still the potential upside. So, yeah, I, I think it's not a bad move. And that's why we're going to see quarterbacks, you know, you know, if, yeah. if they're not drafted higher in most you know, non-analyst leagues, you know, they're going to push those guys down. But, you know, it's easy to pivot to those guys, which is why we are in the industry, I think, which you've never seen before, you know, not just taking maybe one quarterback, you're taking, you know, as, as many as four to six, you know, yep. or, you know, four to five. I don't know if, it, you know, if Herbert's getting pushed up that high yet, but, you know, with Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Fields joining, you know, Joe Burrow as the the second trio, it's, um it, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, how this all unfolds. But yeah, it's going to make the dead zone, I think, maybe uh, either pushed up or pushed down, you know, depending on if those running backs do go in round three. Yeah, I, I I agree with the part about the wide receivers. I'm not sure I agree about the running backs being more interesting than t- they typically are in rounds four. I don't know what rounds specifically we're talking about, but I, I do think the running backs right now are really interesting in like round six and later where you could be getting DeAndre Swift, um, you know, instead of just guessing. I might as well just look at some, like I'm looking at NFC uh, ADP. DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Miles Sanders going 65th. Uh, Damian Pierce, Rashad White. These guys are really falling in drafts. James Conner, 77th overall. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, 80th. Javante Williams, David Montgomery in the 80s. I mean, a I lot can't of those guys you mentioned are, are, have more guaranteed paths toward volume than a lot of these trendy receivers were taking over them in those in that in that range, right? Like yeah. taking receivers who we need things to fall into place for them to get the target volume necessary for them to be anything more like as good as their talent suggested. Is. Meanwhile, you you mentioned Rashad White, like he is almost a lock for target. I mean, sorry for volume. Yeah. Also, I think remember last year was such a bad year for quarterback play, terrible year for wide receivers. Yeah. So the guys that were going around three through five last year, I wanted pretty much all of them. <laughs> this year, I probably won't feel the same, but I also don't really feel all that comfortable talking about ADP right now. I just mm-hmm. don't know what to make of it. I mean, on NFC, which is like high stakes leagues, but a lot of best ball, Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs are third round picks. And Tony mm-hmm. Pollard is 23rd. I don't right. know that I can tell you that if you take, you know, Jefferson and Chase with your first two picks that you're going to be able to go Jefferson, Pollard, Henry, or Jefferson, Jacobs, Henry. I, I don't yeah. think I can give you that advice right now. So I, I just That'd be don't pretty know. cool though. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jamie, tell me about CD Lamb. You have him 13th, but he's 12th in the consensus rankings. Do you think he deserves to be a you know a pick on the swing? And obviously that's ahead of Devontae Adams, ahead of uh, Henry and Chubb and et cetera. CD Lamb, we'll end with him. I think he's going to be a little polarizing just from the standpoint of as more people start to draft and you start to look at some of the comments that came out of, you know, Mike McCarthy's mouth 
earlier this offseason about how he wants to run the ball more, that's going to scare some people. You know, and, and I get it. And then you see the addition of Brandon Cooks and, and maybe the, the positive reports about Michael Gallup. And you say, okay, are, are the targets still going to be there for him? And I get that as well. But I think what we've seen from him, everything sets up for him to be a superstar. Will he ever get to Justin Jefferson Heights? Probably not. But can he be in that next tier? I, I think so. And he sort of proved that last year. You know, So he is an alpha. He is you know, somebody that's worth taking in the end of the first round. I don't buy what Mike McCarthy said because I was there the day afterwards when he tried to, you know, sort of backtrack off of it and said privately and publicly that what the, 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 we're going to run the ball more and, and, you know, sort of taking a shot at Kellen Moore about lighting up the scoreboard. I think he sort of meant that we're just not going to be as run as many plays and, and, and be as up tempo in offense, but they're still going to throw the ball quite a bit. And so, uh, Brandon Cooks at 31, and Michael Gallup, who's been good but never really somebody that's you know dominated targets, and their tight end situation I think getting worse, and maybe even their running back situation getting worse. As much as we love Tony Pollard, but you know the group as a whole is not exactly the best group. So I, I think C.D. Lamb's targets should still be you know in the top 10. You know maybe not the top five anymore, but still in the top 10. I still love his potential. I still think he's got the chance to be a top five wide receiver. And so everything to me still screams take him at the back end of the first round, or early part of the second round. Okay, and, and yeah, I mean, I'll give you just some numbers real quick. He played 12 games with Dak Prescott. Lamb was on pace for 108 catches, 1,387 yards, and 10 touchdowns on only 152 targets. Um, and with Cooper Rush, he was on pace for 167 targets, so 15 more targets. This is five games, three fewer catches, and almost 100 fewer yards, and three fewer touchdowns. So his overall numbers, not as good as what his pace was with just Dak Prescott in the 12 games that Prescott played. Uh, the Cooper Rush dragged uh, CeeDee Lamb down a little bit. But uh, his numbers were not nearly as good as the other wide receivers who were going in the first round. You know, just his 17-game pace or the per-game numbers, Jefferson Chase, Cup, uh, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. And Dallas was, of all of those teams, well, actually not the Rams, uh, but... Yeah, actually, that's interesting. Those, so that's six wide receivers in the first round. Uh, Dallas had the second fewest pass attempts. The Rams had the fewest. Dallas and then the other teams were more pass heavy. Well, let's read some emails to finish off our show. This is something that uh, I do to Heath that he doesn't like, and I'm going to do to you guys now. I'm going to read emails. <laughs> Why that does I, he not like it? Well, because I didn't put the emails in the notes, and I didn't think we'd he have never, time for them. Yeah. So I'm going to do that now. Did you say I never do that? Um, I almost no, always do that. Actually, is what you meant to say. <laughs> you did, um, you did. All right, so let's uh, let's just pick some at random here. How about a uh, grade the trade? All right, I took over a terrible dynasty team this offseason. Never finished higher than eleventh place. I made a couple of trades in three years. I made a couple of trades, and I'd love to get your input. Uh, it's a one QB league, twelve teams, half PPR. I traded pick one hundred and two. Rashad White and a oh god I do not like this trade I don't think all right 102 Rashad White okay. and a 2024 second round pick for 111 Cam Akers Najee Harris and a 2024 first round pick which will likely be a mid round pick and it's not terrible I guess but it's not terrible it's not ideal either. First of all, your second round pick that you traded is likely to be what 201, 202. You finished 11th in three straight years. 
I guess you're acquiring Najee, so you're it's kind of playing for now. Um, but it is, I mean, in a one QB league, that 102 is a little less valuable after Bijan Robinson, I would say. Um, I mean, what are you going to take Gibbs? Gibbs. Are you going to take JSN? Like it's you could take Anthony Richardson, I guess, but it depends on your QB situation. So I don't hate that side of it, but I just don't have too much faith in in what you got back. I mean, Cam Akers to me maybe has a year left of fantasy relevance, maybe less. I'm not a big believer in his talent. So you're banking on Najee Harris here. Also, that contract's running out in Pittsburgh. I don't know if they'll resign him. They didn't resign Connor when his contract ran out. So just seems like some risky assets you're getting back at a position I don't like to invest in here. And you're giving up picks as a team that's rebuilding. So that's or draft capital, I should say. So that's never, never a great thing. So you're giving up Rashad White and 102. And a second get, round yep. pick. And a second round next year. And a second round next year to get Cam Akers, oh, Najee Harris. 111 and a late first next year. Uh, not necessarily mid, a late mid first. first, mid first, mid to late first. Yeah, I hate this. <laughs> All right, Jamie, help uh, help John out with a keeper. It is PPR and a one QB league, and he needs to keep Justin Fields, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, or DeAndre Hopkins. No round penalty. No. Fields, Dalvin I mean, Cook, keep, Brees Hall, and DeAndre Hopkins. I would keep Brees Hall. You know, just with the hope that he turns into what he was before he got hurt. Okay. And how about a Superflex question? 10-team Superflex. Oh, first he says, uh, this is from uh, Conrad. He says, Dear Matt, Sean, Bobby, Daryl, and Jeremy. Uh, Matt, no Sean, Bobby, No Darryl. clue. Feels like Seahawks or Darryl. something. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, so I'm in a 10-team super flex. We originally were eight teams, and quarterbacks would fall a bit more but uh, because of higher replacement levels left. Last year, that habit stuck with one QB in the first round with a large run starting end of the second through the third round. My question is, I'm a big believer this year on the Fields, Lamar, Herbert, Lawrence range of quarterback, but should I just take the top quarterback if, they're, if that's there late in the first or the second quarterback in the second round for value? Or just wait for the top three to go and then go for my target quarterbacks. Little, confusing. I think. You should, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That was a little, little like wordy there, but it was confusing. But I think the takeaway for me is what you saw last year in your league. The trend of quarterbacks being moved up so so much is only going to increase this year, and it's going to get greater as people understood and saw the difference of how much quarterbacks matter in a superflex ten team league. So I would take one with your first round pick. I would probably consider taking one personally with your second round pick. I think if you wait till it comes all the way back to you at the end of the third round, you might be past your Lawrence tier. You might be getting nothing out of that. Um, and so it's it's too big of a risk for me. I'm definitely taking quarterback. And and like Dan said, you know, you might consider too. We had uh, a startup Superflex Dynasty mock draft on yesterday's show. And so it's not obviously apples to apples, but you know, still they say Superflex draft. And we had the first six picks, I believe, were quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken, Dan. And yep. what, eight went in the first round? Yep. Um, you know, so that just goes to show you how much you should be prioritizing that position. And, it, you know, you're still going to get great players in round two if you don't want to take, you know, back-to-back quarterbacks. And even, you know, rounds three through, through five will still be great players because all those quarterbacks will get pushed up. I think I'm, I don't love the strategy of taking a quarterback with my first two picks in a 12-team super flex. I feel like a little a little more open to it in ten team. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Because obviously you can do better at your me. other positions. I need, I need I'm even more concerned in a twelve team. 
Well, but in a 12-team league, you're you you, you know, you're going to have a harder time filling out running back, wide receiver, and tight end. In a 10-team league... Personally, not worried about it. In a 12-team league, quarterback, if there's no rule, especially, on how many quarterbacks you can roster, it is desperation time in a 12-team league at quarterback. I'm not because, saying you take one in the 10th round. I'm just saying I don't want my first two picks necessarily. Well, I, I, I think it I matters where you pick. Yeah. You know, like we, we saw in, in the draft yesterday, again, it's not really comparable, but... Uh, Jacob Gibbs, for example, passed on a quarterback with his first two picks, and he, you know, he took a he took Ceedee Lamb and Bijan Robinson. You know, so just to give you an example of the caliber of players that fell to him after eight quarterbacks were off the board. Again, dynasty league being what it is, but when he came back in rounds three and four, he also passed on quarterbacks. Right? Not did he do that? Right? Or did I, he no, take one there? He did. He went. He did a back to back of Pickett and. Uh, no, but he took C.J. Stroud. That's what he did. He okay. took C.J. Stroud. Stroud. That's what he was looking at in round three. Yeah, his first quarterback. Now he took CJ Stroud though because it was dynasty, right? Sure. So okay, he took quarterback in round. But three, what was, but it was left like there was quarterback. But yeah. he could he have taken like a Russell Wilson or? Yeah, maybe you can go Russell. Yes, Wilson. but again, so you're cool. talking 16th quarterback, 15th quarterback. Right, you know, you're right, not getting right. uh, top tier guys. So to your point, Adam, yes, could you have taken one quarterback? You could have had Deshaun Watson there or Anthony Richardson. Those two guys were available at the end of the first round. Had he not taken a second quarterback, back to back picks, he's looking at that pairing. Right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Tomorrow, 13 through 24 in the PPR consensus rankings with Heath and Chris. Friday, Heath and Dan for some Fantasy Jeopardy and backfield battles. And Saturday, if you haven't seen it on YouTube already, you will hear the Beyond the Box Score episode that we did yesterday with J.J. Zachariasen and Ben Gretsch and Jacob Gibbs. It was awesome. Um, All right. Until tomorrow. Thanks so much for that amazing donation. Stay tuned for more ways to donate to St. Jude and play some fantasy football with us. We'll talk to you later.